eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Back for our scouting podcast. (laughs) Talking this week about the interior defensive line. Uh, after our interior offensive line uh, podcast last week, got some other big guys who take on each other in the middle. Um, we're going to talk about four guys. I'm joined by Liam, Andy, and Rob this week. Um, no Kieran with us this week. So we just got four guys and a bunch of sleepers. Might chip in with a couple of people as we always do. Um, but let's get straight into it, guys. Um, Rob, you start us off. Um, what do you like about a defensive tackle um, when you're looking at these guys? Um, obviously, similar to what we said last week about the offensive guys, they're, they're big guys, and I like to see the use of power. Uh, I like to see from my defensive tackles uh, handwork. I like them to forklift people out of the way to get to the to the quarterbacks and to block the running lanes. Um, but yeah, again, it's like I said, very similar to the offensive linemen in the fact that they're big powerful guys um, and I like to see these dudes shift their weight and use their weight to their advantage yeah absolutely Andy what about yourself I'll come to you next big legs I think that's first and foremost uh, that's uh, what, what I'll come to on my sleeper I mean just uh, huge legs and can drive the centre back into the quarterback is my uh, is my favourite thing to, to watch with these guys but also the mental side of the, the, the game as well being able to anticipate the the movement of the ball, the movement of the running back, um, drop off their, their blocks to make the tackle where needed. So that, that's a big thing that often goes overlooked with these guys, isn't it? So it's, it's not all about um, being a, a big guy in a trench. It's uh, it's about being able to read and, and, and stuff those uh, runs in the backfield. Certainly is. And I'll certainly be bringing up that about one of my guys uh, <laughs> later down the line. Liam, what about yourself? Yeah, just to add to uh, like what the other guys have said about the, the power in the game, um, I like to uh, kind of uh, scout where a guy fits in terms of scheme and formation. So, um, you know, if you can find yourself a really good um, big uh, nose tackle right in the middle of the line, then that's great. If guys are more suited to kind of moving wider, the three or five tech, or if they're versatile enough to play defensive end, that's always good, like a bit of versatility. Um yeah, the power to to challenge the guys that we talked about in the last episode in the interior, um, force them uh, off the blocks to be able to use um, their upper body, like their arms and not just power, but kind of a few extra techniques to have a, an array of techniques to be able to break through the line. Um, play against the run up the middle as well. It's a big thing. Got to be able to uh, plug some holes in there as well. Yeah, it's an unglamorous position sometimes, isn't it? It's all about pass rush for a lot of people, but just having a guy who's just solid against the run can be really, really valuable um, in this in this sort of area. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd add on to um, a lot of what you guys have said. Uh, sorry, I'd agree with what a lot you said. One thing I'd add on to is, yeah, hand fighting. I want to see some guys who've got quick hands. They might be big guys, but I want to see them who are able to hand fight with the guy opposite them and, and hopefully rip past them and, and get through to the quarterback because... It's about leverage, it's about weight shifting and things like that and not just being a big bulldozer, although I will hopefully be talking about a big bulldozer in my sleeper. Um, but yeah, I agree with what you've a lot of guys who's speaking about. But yeah, it's about talking about uh, these guys who are taking on the biggest guys that we've got on the football field, as we mentioned last week, and the guys that we talked about uh, take some shifting and hopefully these guys are going to do it for us. Um, uh, Liam, I'll start off with you. Well, you remember the name Davion Nixon yes, out of yes. Iowa. <laughs> um 
I I love this guy. I'm really pleased to be talking about him. Um, a guy that I've uh, watched kind of grow this season. Um, we'll start uh, at the beginning. He's six foot three, about three hundred and five pounds. As I say, plays in the Big Ten with the Iowa Hawkeyes, but uh, a JUCO transfer, uh, having played uh, his freshman year at Iowa Western Community College, uh, where uh, as a freshman he got five sacks and nine tackles for loss. Um, then uh, at the end of that year, um, received uh, an offer uh, from Iowa, uh, which he took, uh, despite also receiving an offer from Nick Saban's Alabama. Um, he decided to, to stay uh, in the uh, state he was and play for Iowa. Uh, as a redshirt sophomore with uh, Iowa, he played uh, 13 games, got 29 tackles, three sacks, five and a half tackles for loss. Um, it, it wasn't until uh, this year uh, as a redshirt junior that he's really uh, ascended uh, through uh, this 2020 season. Um, I've watched a bit of Iowa this season. Um, it's um, the Big Ten. We, we get quite a lot of coverage uh, in this country and, and you couldn't miss his work this, uh, this season on the D-line. Um, really, uh, really stood out. The main guy on the line there um, ascended uh, so much this season that he was. Uh, I'll give you the list of accolades that he's been given this year: first team All Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, and a unanimous uh, first team All American for the NCAA 2020 team. Um, among his uh, highlights. Uh, uh, added to his uh, 2020 stats was a, a great interception, um, the first and only of his career in a game against Penn State that he returned uh, 71 yards uh, for a touchdown, including duking two players on the way. Uh, shows the uh, athleticism that he has at over 300 pounds. Um, in terms of his D-line play, there's so many boxes ticked. He's got power, he's got speed, he's got the toughness to be able to uh, attack his blocker. Really, really nice um, attacking style. Um, good length against blocks as well. Uses his arms uh, really, really nicely. Couple of nice techniques to get off of blocks when he needs to. Um, looks to me like a really good 4-3 um, uh, uh, three tech guy. Um, it's not going to be moved uh, out uh, wider on the D line, uh, like towards uh, more of a tight end position, like others uh, in the class or other uh, defensive tackles in past draft classes. Um, doesn't have the huge size and the kind of all power technique to line up right over the center as a nose tackle either, but just a prototypical guy that you can just stick uh, in the gaps on a 4 3 line. Um, Nice uh, upper body movement to defeat blocks, as I've said, and enough power to drive blockers backwards from there. Um, a couple of things that maybe will be kind of like red flags for him that, uh, as I say, he has a huge year this year um, that he's kind of really ascended in a lot of people's minds, but it could be seen as a bit of a one-year wonder. There's a few uh, injury issues over the years uh, as well. Um, when he can't get by blocks, he seems to be a little off balance and often uh, falls forward rather than kind of being moved back. So maybe that's balancing contact thing or maybe lower body technique. But I think it's the sort of thing that can be coached. Um, there's um, a kind of a nice uh, story uh, off the field as well um, that will be um, picked up on. Um, I think we've spoken before about prospects that they're kind of off-field story. One of the reasons he wasn't offered um, big schools, first of all, is um, for academic reasons. And he was able to work and improve academically um, uh, before he got his Iowa offer. 
Um, I quite like that. He's, he's worked, he's had to work and he's had to graft uh, to get to, to where he is. And uh, I also just like watching a defensive lineman wearing number 54. There's something quite old school about it uh, that uh, I really enjoyed. Um, and uh, like I say, there's not a lot to dislike about his tape this year. And I think he's, he's really um, in kind of contention for a top 40 pick. So it could even be a first rounder. I really like his tape that much from this year. Do you feel like there's a realistic chance that he'll break the first round or is it that a little bit out of his reach at this moment and it's a bit more of an outside chance? Yeah, I think he could. I think guys, I think teams are going to be after interior defensive linemen. Think about um, like guys from last year that went uh, like uh, Derek Brown, um, Ken Law. These are guys that went pretty early and uh, teams that are missing out on interior D linemen. I think that he's, uh, Devion Nixon's going to be a name that's going to be well up draft boards for teams looking looking early at the position. Yeah, it wasn't and it hasn't been a very popular position in our mock drafts as others we did one this week and there was only the one, was that right, that went in the first round? Yeah, just the just the one yesterday wasn't there and the and uh but uh, I think as you say we've we're putting up the uh the rest of um rest of the draft on the full 10 yards college football website. And uh, I think he, he was a, a second round pick in our mock. Nixon, probably the most likely scenario for him in terms of teams that might not go after defensive linemen straight away is that he's a second rounder. But I think I think he's going to shoot up a lot of big boards the more tape gets watched. But still, that would represent sorry, a very decent rise, um, especially in his fortunes, as you mentioned, coming right from Juco all the way through Iowa. And you know, to be a second round pick from that is, is great going, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I say, it's, a, it's all based on this year. Like his uh, rise, we talk about certain quarterbacks, Joe Burrow last year and others this year. It's a similar sort of story for him in terms of his rise. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Yeah, no, really good rundown there, Liam. Thank you for that. Um, Rob? Kick us off then with your guy, Christian Barmore out of Alabama. I'm I'm excited. I'm as excited about Barmore as, as Liam is about Nixon, I think. Um, and another guy who's kind of risen up draft boards this year. Um, yeah, Barmore, 6'5", 310 pounds. He was a four-star recruit out of Newman Goretti High School in Philadelphia. Uh, he originally kept um, committed to Temple, but sort of got a bit of sort of national uh, recognition as a, as a decent DT coming out of, of, of high school and ended up getting offers from the likes of Oregon, Georgia, Florida, LSU, uh, Miami. So he got some, some big offers. Um, he redshirted as a freshman because that's what you do in Alabama when you're in that position because it is a case of next man up. Uh, he had Quinn and Williams, Isaiah Bugs, and Raekwon Davis in front of him. So, of course, he wasn't going to play uh, in his freshman year. Um, was a reserve, sort of played a reserve role in his, his second year, uh, but started as a, as a redshirt freshman down the stretch. Um, as a redshirt sophomore, he started most games this season despite missing week one um he had a bit of a knee injury at the beginning of the season so he did miss the, the first game but he kept on impressing he, he sort of impressed from week to week got better and better as the season went on um he ended the season with 27 total tackles six and a half uh, tackles for loss and six sacks three pass affections three forced fumbles all in nine games so he had a pretty good statistical season uh for the for for roll tide he got awarded first team all all SEC selection as well. Um, things that I've sort of 
picked up on it. I, I got wind of him actually in, in the Notre Dame game um, a couple of weeks ago because he had a cracking game against us. Um, and that's when I started to pay attention. Like, who's this kid? I mean, I've heard his name floated around sort of in first, second round contention, but let's have a look at him properly. And I did and saw that he's sort of figured out that he's got a strong and mature body, long arms, active hands. He remains busy throughout the whole of the scrimmage. He's got great, uh, great athleticism, easy for me to say, uh, and can shed tackles. Um, and he makes good quality tackles in the run game. Uh, he's versatile. He can play a range of different styles, three technique, four technique, uh, and he can work in four, three uh, schemes and three, four schemes and can even play as a nose tackle if needed. So he's quite a versatile player that can play all over the line. Um, yeah, he's just one of these guys that progressed quite naturally this season as a stereotypical d- defensive player from Alabama does. Um, the cons... Like I said, he's only had sort of half a season as a starter, so he's quite raw and inexperienced. Um, he does tend to play with quite high pad level as well. Uh, isn't great in double team situations. His timing can be a bit off. Um, and all in all, it, it kind of like a, it, his, his technique needs refining for the next level. Um a lot of things that work at college level for Alabama won't necessarily work in the NFL. Um but these are, th- and again, I've said this so many times for the scouting um, podcasts that he's got the natural talent and abilities. It's just refining that talent and ability into the NFL. And yeah, he's not far off. Personally, in my mock draft that's coming out at the end of this week, I've got him actually as a top 10 guy. I've got him going to the Cowboys at 10, um, which is a is a big reach. And I explain in, in the article that, I understand it's a reach, but here's why kind of thing. Just because I think he's got that ability to keep progressing and progress quickly. So I think he'll get sort of thrown in the deep end at the Cowboys, but I think he'll learn real quick and he'll soon become uh, a a bit of a superstar at the next level. Um, His upside is is just so appealing and the scouts are going to see that. I think he's got a good mix of traits to use against blockers. Um, yeah, and like I said, with some nurturing and refinement, he can become a dynamic threat uh, on that interior line. So um, not everyone's top de- de- um, defensive lineman. It certainly is mine. And like I said, I'm very, very high on him. So um, I like him to be an early pick. Mm. Won't get you to kind of reveal all because obviously it'll come in the article. But uh, mm. obviously, you know, athletic upside, um, a lot of age upside as well, obviously being a redshirt sophomore. So a lot of room to grow for sure yeah. for, for Christine yeah. Barmore. Yeah, as... Um... Yeah, as you said, young, redshirt sophomore, I've kind of been a little bit more reluctant to kind of really delve into him in, in, in like a little bit of a worry that he probably won't um, mm. come out this year. Rob's been a lot more confident than me that he would. And then, um, yeah. uh, as we spoke about yesterday with the, the national championship game, he had a massive game and um, really reminded me of a couple of um, other old um, Bama players um uh, Delron Payne, who's now uh, Washington, and uh, Quillen Williams, um, just kind of just seizing the moment, as it were, in the national championship game. He he just he just caused havoc for Ohio State in that one, and it, just to me, just the guy that just showed himself that he's he's he he can take the next step. That he he's 
he he doesn't need another year of college. And I think that's it was such a such a good show on on uh, the kind of the biggest stage of all, as it were, in a championship game. Um, like I say, reminded me of of those guys, more ex Bama guys in the middle of the line. Um, yeah, I think he's he sky's the limit for him. He was that good. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think all those names you just met, met Deron Payne and Quinn Williams both went first round, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That um yeah, Payne and, went fifteen, I think, to Washington. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and three and to the Jets. Big Q went really early, didn't he, to the Jets and just mm. that, that image of, of him just breaking through double double blocks and just putting his name on the map. Um Barmore did just the same last week in the in the natty it was uh it was great to watch yeah and he did it the week before against Notre Dame I said like I said that, that's what put him well and truly on the map for me I said I've heard his name floated around but um until that game I hadn't really dived into him and then I was so impressed that he's come out of nowhere for me and has ended up in my top 10 in mock draft which um you know is, is no no mean feat so yeah super impressed by him um and I like, like Liv just said the sky's the limit for him and I'm really excited to see where he lands Hmm. Yeah, interesting article coming up there for Rob. I mentioned it on the earlier podcast this week, but definitely go ahead and check that out when that when that does drop. Um, Andy, I'll bring you in. Um, home pick for yourself with big Marvin Wilson from Florida State. Yeah, I think we would have all um, all put him as uh, the first defensive tackle off the ball if uh, off the board. Sorry, at the start of the season. Um, I don't think I'll get too much argument from these guys with that. But um, yeah, interesting. It seems to have dipped a bit. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of the, the pros uh, doing their mock drafts and he's not in there at the moment and uh, he didn't make the first round uh, of ours as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into why that is as well. But to, to start with, six foot five, uh, 305 pounds, he's a monster. Um, he's been the kind of leader on that Florida State defensive line for a while now. Kind of came in just as the the downturn was was starting to to happen with the Seminoles and 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 to be fair to him he, he stayed a consistent leader throughout. But that that list of offers, I mean, uh, we often like reel these off to, uh, as impressive at the start of these breakdowns. But I've got to do it again here. Um, Bama, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Miami, Michigan, Texas, and the just list went on and on. Um, so great land for the uh, for the Knowles really. Um, he kind of sat out the back end of this season, uh, leg injury, and uh, it, to me, it was as an Oz fan, it was all kind of a bit sour. So I'm not really entirely sure if anything else has gone on behind the scenes there. You, you'll kind of remember at the start of the season as the Black Lives Matter um, movement was really picking up steam after George Floyd's death. Um, uh, that Coach Norvell kind of put a message out that he spoke to every one of the Florida State players about it and it was Marvin Wilson that called him out and said like, dropping us a, a quick text isn't <laughs> speaking to us all in, in detail and he did that publicly so on the one hand showed leadership on the issue um, on the other hand I, I guess you could kind of see, maybe maybe see a kind of souring of relationships there early doors but I wouldn't want to like <laughs> say that definitely I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that um, but, but what you can say about him, he's got his own foundation. Um, like I say, he's been kind of the, the voice of the Seminoles on the defensive side of the ball for the last two or three years. He's a very, he's a very like open guy, um, speaks quite well as well. Um, not as well as some guys I've seen speak, but but not afraid to, to stand up and do that media side of things. So yeah, a very public persona. And I think he'll, and I think he'll take that to the, to the pros as well. Uh, of course, like Wilson's like 
high rating comes from that 2019 season where he was in the backfield all season long, uh, sacks, tackles for loss, um, and was just genuinely seen as a fantastic prospect. And it's quite easy to see why. He's got all the physical tools you want in the position. He's strong, a big muscular frame, um, but he also combines uh, both of those things with, with the mobility to, to get up and down in the line in pursuit of quarterback running back as well. Um, it brings power at all levels as well for me. Drives people back with that with the strength of those legs. Um, it pushes through double teams using his hands and, and it's just his, his brute force. And that's something that we need to draw out. Of he's, he's been double teamed every game of his college career for the last two seasons at least. Um, he's just you know just that big and that that important to that that defense. Um, and also his power, he can lift people out of the way. It, there's, there's so many things on tape of him just like literally physically moving um, the lineman out of the way to, to get through there. So really impressive in that um, in that phase of the game. And like I said, that, that double team, um, that, that ability to get through double teams is probably the big thing for me, it, mainly because of his hands as well, which Lee, you know, he mentioned at the start, uh, not afraid to get in there, hand far in, and, and he just shrugs off defenders and gets through. It's quite impressive to watch, really. Um, and for me, like I said, my part, of the, my part of the intro bit, football IQ, reads the game really well. You see him breaking off blocks to get take down the runner. He's, he's just involved in all facets of the, uh, the defensive game and, and he's a three-down guy uh, for sure. Um, so that really brings me to kind of why he's kind of dropping down the boards. It's, it's a weird one, really, because I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I haven't really been that, that sold on him um, uh, in times, but I, I can't really put my finger on why. Obviously, he's missed a bit of game time through injury, leg injury, hand injury before that. I think the one thing you could put against him is he's not that explosive off the line. Um, I think that's the, the big thing you'll see on scout reports and the big thing I have seen on scout reports. But it makes up for that by being such a dominant physical presence that I don't think that's really that necessary for him uh, and again um, one of the knocks which I don't agree with his production um, you know probably expect to see a man of his stature and, and, and physical physicality racking up more sacks racking up more tackles for a loss but like I said he's been double teamed so much that it's not hard to see why and he, and he draws that attention for, for other guys and we've seen you know Florida State linemen be, being drafted despite the, the downturn of the team overall for couple of years now, Brian Burns, uh, Sweat, and uh, you're going to see uh, Joshua Kindo this year go as well, all good edge rushers, and they've, their kind of skill sets have been uh, accentuated by, the, uh, by the, the inside capability of Wilson. So, yeah, a good prospect for me. Um, one that's going to slide down uh, because of the recency bias we've spoken about so much, we've spoken about it in our mock drafts, but whoever gets him, I think he's going to have a fantastic player on their hands and he's going to be an integral part of that um, locker room for, for years to come. Yeah, excellent rundown. Um, it's yeah, it is recent bias. I've seen a couple, and I've not delved into Wilson myself, so it's not merely my words. But I've seen a couple of knocks that he takes a few plays off. Do you think that's fair, or is that? I think that's because of just the situation. I mean, I don't think if he get it, whichever NFL team, I don't think that's going to happen. It must be so draining being a Florida State player and you know getting through to the getting through to the quarterback, and then uh, you know it must be the same for Asante Samuel sat on the other side of the field. No one's throwing at you. But uh, without Hamza and Nasrul Dean in the middle and, and the, the other cornerback positions well up for grabs, it's just the ball's just been sailing over their heads. <laughs> and just, you know, even you've seen teams like Duke move the ball so easily down the field against us. It's not the D-Lions' fault in my in my perspective. It's the secondary, uh, Asante Samuel aside. So, that, that, I mean, I don't know. That's probably giving him an excuse and that's because I'm a Knowles fan. But, I mean, I can't really blame him. I think a lot of, lots of players have had players off for this team over the last couple of years. 
yeah, I think uh, his case in terms of off the field is really interesting one because uh, we we talked about we we did yesterday with our mock draft about um, uh, guys opting out and how it's going to affect them. And in a way, uh, it might have helped him. He's a guy that it really would have helped more to have opted out because of what subsequently happened this season. I, I agree, like Andy touched on it, like the the way that the season ended and him announcing that he ended his season early did seem a little um, sour. Um, um, and at the start of the year, I heard about like his foundation. I'd seen um, how he spoke publicly about everything that had happened. And, um, you know, I kind of, and I wouldn't have watched him uh, as much um, as, uh, as Andy being an Oles fan. So I instantly kind of thought, yeah, there's a guy with an, with a good football IQ or just a good IQ in general, obviously there's some leadership skills there. Like this guy's going to be a first rounder and it's kind of, kind of dropped and uh, could be like a situation where, yeah, he may drop out of the first round, but um, it shouldn't be based on talent. Interviews are going to be interesting with him around combine time. Um, that always kind of um, helps um, for good or, f- or for not um, talent, doesn't it, around that time? That's it. And I think the senior bowl will be, will be vital as well. I think he's going to show up and, and, and I could very well see him like vaulting to the top of that uh, tackle class again um, with a good senior ball. But at the same time, like you say, <laughs> that kind of um, that character building and that sort of stuff, if, if he shows up and he is the sour guy that has kind of eaten into the narrative about him, then, um, you know, he could force down further. Yeah, if he's been getting double teams a lot, when they play those one-on-one drills, he could absolutely kill that. And that's, yeah, gonna, that's at it. the senior bowl. It's going to help him greatly. Mm. Yeah, look forward to that, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm up next uh, with, I'm going back out west uh, in my natural habitat. Uh, I'm going for USC, Jay Tufele. Um Yeah, I guess between the four of us, I think, I don't know if you guys will agree, there's not really a consensus number one. And I've seen probably a shout for all three of the, the guys that we've had so far and Jay Tefele as well. You know, big recruit again, four-star recruit out of Utah, um, the, the state, I mean. Um, he came out of Bingham High School in South Jordan, Utah. It's about halfway between Provo, where BYU is, and Salt Lake City, where Utah University is. Uh, redshirted in his first year at USC, 2017. And then he's been uh, working his way into the lineup broke the lineup in 2018 where he started five games and became the full-time starter in 2019. Another opt-out um, for this season, didn't play at all. Um, so again, whether that'll come against him or not, when it comes to draft time, we don't know. Uh, you know, In our mock draft that we had this week, it didn't. We kind of were drafting those guys pretty highly. Uh, so we'll see later down the line. We've spoken a lot about other players and other positions kind of being multi-sport athletes. Jay Tefele used to play rugby as a kid, which I don't think we've, we've spoke about on our other positions, but seems to be quite a trend amongst defensive linemen because my sleeper also used to play rugby as well. And he's also Polynesian like Jay Tefele is as well. And that's obviously where it comes from. Production-wise, pretty solid actually because he's a little bit like uh, Marvin Wilson uh, that Andy's just been talking about, gets a heck of a lot of double teams when he's playing for USC as a three-tech. Uh, but yeah, his production has been pretty solid. Um, five, six, seven, eight sna- uh, snacks, stacks, <laughs> sacks and he even got the inception and a fumble recovery last year as well pretty solid tackles for loss as well and his general tackling numbers have gone up and i like to see that kind of rise in production uh, throughout the college career of the the three years and obviously as he gets more starts he's kind of gone up and up and up and in terms of his production so that's excellent growth that i like to see as a general summary then as i mentioned kind of plays as a three tech for the trojans he's got good first step and uh, the hand speed to match as well kind of 
going into that hand fighting that I was that I was talking about right at the beginning of the podcast, um, kind of almost like a little bit like martial arts skills in terms of like the hand quickness and accuracy where the where the hand placement goes. Um, and in flashes, he can use that really well. He's not too consistent with that hand fighting. Um, often tries to use his power as well, but does have it in his locker as well. And it's something that he might be able to to grow in the NFL as he kind of gets more training and maybe gets a bit of coaching from his, his veteran interior guys and other guys on uh, the edge maybe to to kind of work on those hand placements. Um, but he gets handled too easily by stronger guys. And uh, one of the big, big knocks and probably my biggest knock on him that I'll come on to and the weaknesses is his play recognition and football IQ. And I'll come on to that a little bit more that later on. But back into the strengths then. So really powerful off the line, explodes off the ball, albeit sometimes he's the last man out of his stance as well. So doesn't really anticipate the snap count too well while it looks things. But as I mentioned, excellent strength, fends off a lot of double teams. And so he gets a lot of respect, you know, from his, his uh, opponents, obviously game plan for him. Throughout the middle, I watched three games, watched BYU, Fresno State and Oregon, all from 2019 season. And he was getting double teamed all over the place. Um, you know, so like I say, he obviously gets respect. He obviously knows, the, the opponent knows he's a good player. And lastly, he plays with really good pad level out of his stance off the, off the snap. Um, I'm just wondering if that does come from rugby as well, because I'm thinking of a, a scrum and him kind of keeping low in the in the snap off the snap of the scrum. Um, I wonder if that's a translatable skill, but I wasn't able to kind of confirm that of any of my research or anything like that. Um, On to the weaknesses then, and there's there's some quite glaring weaknesses. He's got some strengths. I don't, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I was really underwhelmed with this film. I was thinking he's, you know, not consensus number one defensive tackle or anything like that, but I've seen it a lot of people kind of say that he's going to be right up there. Um, didn't make it into our first round of our mock. Didn't, I don't think he even made it into the second round of our mock, so a little bit of a spoiler for when we put that on the website. But um, yeah, quite glaring uh, sort of holes in his game, really. Doesn't locate the football at all at well. Um, you know, the a lot of good defensive tackles always keep their eyes in the backfield, even though they're engaged by a defensive lineman, but he just doesn't do that. He seems to lose the ball or just get too caught up with with fighting with the other guy that he's across from. Um, I've made a note that a few times as well when the QB is kind of, when he breaks through the defense, uh, defensive line, sorry, he chases the QB like a dog chasing its tail. He doesn't really use his intelligence or push the or herd the, Q, the QB into where his teammates are. He kind of uses himself as like a single rusher where he, he's not really using his teammates and where they are at all. So it's kind of unintelligent play again and gets really confused by window dressing. And again, this is another locate the football and football IQ knock that I put one particular clip in the uh, the group chat that we've got of the, I think it was in the Fresno game. They ran a jet sweep and he was, he took about two seconds to actually realize that the play was on the other side of the ball. Um, so yeah, not, not too great in that. And I feel like it really lacks hustle as well. So if he, sort of like if he's the player's not anywhere near him he just kind of stops playing and he's never going to run someone down and I always like to see that kind of hustle that kind of play through the whistle kind of mentality from defensive linemen I think it kind of speaks to the mentality as a whole but Tefeli just seems to kind of well it's, I'm not going to get the tackle so I'll just kind of mosey this you know, last couple of seconds or anything like that and I just don't like to see it so yeah I think um, let me just pull up my grading for him I had really low grade on him actually overall kind of suffers because of his lack of in it you know his inexperience his lack of games but yeah, I gave him a fourth round grade. So I was really, really disappointed with Tefele, actually. And I know we don't often uh, have any really bad reviews, but this is probably one of the worst reviews we've had in terms of the round grading and uh, a general sort of feeling after I'd, after I'd finished his tape, to be honest with you. So yeah, quite quite a disappointing one for us, unfortunately. 
Uh, yeah, we should like just uh, give a mention to Jalen Swyman out of Pittsburgh. Uh, we mentioned about opt-outs, and he's a guy that's um, opted out for this season. Like, I just wanted to just uh, give him a shout out because I think he's still a like, top player at the position. Like, really explosive style, keeps working until the end of every play. Um, really strong pass, rusher up the middle, and like just a really really high ceiling. I think even uh, opting out, I think that there was another. Uh, probably an extra year to be had for him in terms of his college career. Um, I'm really interested to see uh, how it works out for him. It's like, say, I think another season would done him uh, done him some good in terms of first round prospect. And uh, the ceiling's so big, he still might sneak in there. Um, fighting through contacts and consistency against the run, I think a couple of really big knocks on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think Jalen Swyman is uh, is well worth a, a shout at the moment. I just wanted to bring him in quickly as a guy who's opted out. I think he can still um, be like a, a first round pick. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I um, spent a bit of time obviously watching Patrick Jones earlier on um, in well, at the back end of last year actually, and it really jumped off the the page that this Pittsburgh defensive line that they've got with Richard Weaver as well, who we've not mentioned. It's a top it's a line, really, isn't it? Really it's really good. Defensive line, yeah. And Twyman is a player that I think we all sort of recognised as one of the best defensive linemen uh, interior-wise early on in the season because I think he made it into the first round of one of our mocks. Um, yeah, early on I, in the just, I would just wish he could have just stayed one more year. I think it's, uh, but you know, even just this year, instead of opting out, I think it would have been really good for him. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously draws the Aaron Donald comparisons with number 97, being a short offensive, uh, defensive line guy. Not sure we're there with the ceiling as of yet, but uh, yeah, he's definitely got some talent for sure. It's bold, isn't it? It is. It is. To, to request that number, especially at that college. Um, so that wraps up our four main guys. Uh, let's move on to some sleepers next. Awesome. Yeah, let's move on to sleepers then. Uh, Liam, you can start us off with your sleeper if you like. We'll go with you first. Yeah, my yeah, my sleeper is uh, Carlo Kemp out of Michigan. Um, he's a guy that uh, I, I quite like as, uh, on the uh, Michigan defensive line. they got some really good edge rushes. You can hear a lot about Quitty Pie. Um, Aidan Hutchinson as well on the other side, who's uh, going back having suffered a bad injury. And I mean, he's going to be a, a top prospect this time next year. Um, in the middle, um, Carlo Kemp, um, the uh, measurements is about six foot three, approximately 285 pounds. Um, he's a redshirt senior, just completed his uh, fifth year uh, as a Michigan Wolverine, um, was recruited uh, as an outside linebacker and um, weighed a good 40 or 50 pounds less uh, than he does now, uh, coming out of Fairview High School in Colorado. Uh, he was uh, regarded as the best recruit in the state of Colorado. Um, so uh, to what uh, Andy said earlier in our uh, tradition of reading out a list of uh, schools that were trying to recruit him, it was, just seems like the vast majority of the Pac-12 and schools along the West there, I'll read the Arizona State, uh, Colorado, Oregon, Stanford, UCLA, Washington, Washington State, um, also Boise State, Kansas State, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Wyoming uh, all offered this guy uh, a spot, and he settled on Michigan. Uh, as a former linebacker, um, he has got really good acceleration and speed. Uh, that seems to be like uh, where he wins all of his battles, how he gets uh, through gaps. Uh, nice body control, quite slippery. He's not going to be a guy to just uh, just challenge you and power through 
uh, he's going to try and find the gaps and has the speed and movement uh, to do it and plays really well against the run for that reason. Um, there's some really good film on him. I really liked uh, him against Minnesota in the season opener this year. Um, some good uh, film from last season as well, um, including a few of the uh, the uh, Big Ten games. Um, he kind, he as I say, he's more speed than power, and uh, he, they kind of um, line him up, kind of to try and best take advantage of that. Um, try and. Uh, try and kind of get him out wide, get through a few more gaps. Um, some places where he needs to, to work on, um, he, as I say, he, he does look and play quite light. So, um, yeah, the strength is an issue. Um, they When he's lined up in the middle, uh, further into the middle of the D-line, he, he can get swallowed up by the bigger uh, interior lineman. So he just, I think he needs to add more weight and muscle, if, if, especially being a part of the defensive tackle class. Um, uh, I see that that's probably going to be where he's going to go at the next level, as opposed to then kind of losing weight and moving wider. So I think there's more muscle there to be added. Um, I think that there's a few more techniques um, for beating blocks uh, to work on. Um, but I really like the positives. I like some of the production. Um, he's had some really good talent um, next to him as well. That's probably helped his cause. Um, and I think he's, uh, yeah, he's going to be a really good sleeper in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. You've been uh, watching a lot of that Michigan defensive line, haven't you? You seem to quite like a lot of those guys. Yeah, I seem, yeah, I, yeah. I've kind of bought into Quitty Pie more and more. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, start of the year I kind of ended up watching their first kind of two or three games it's, um kind of just how it, it worked out and uh yeah I liked him I like his he's put up some really nice stat lines and uh as I say the edge rushers uh, that's kind of a really strong area of their team and the edge rushers getting a lot of the, the press but I think um that's what makes him a sleeper I think yeah he's 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 well worth a well worth a day three look I was going to say where, where do you where do you think round wise um you was going to uh, question you on that one yeah I think about round five or six at the moment um, I th- think teams well teams will know that, that you can't kind of push him too far inside like I say this gets he's he's uh, 285 pounds so he, he gets kind of as I put it swallowed up by the, the bigger interior guys um, so yeah maybe a, a team that, that know how to work him as more of a three or a five tech is probably the way forward for him. He started off as a, as a linebacker and then put the weight on. So mm. I can't see him kind of then losing weight to, to move that far out wide. But um, I sure. think it's, it's something to think about. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, Andy, I'll come to you next for your guy. Yeah. Um, I basically watched a lot of Arkansas this year. And so um, I've gone that way. Um, could have been one or two of um, the, the guys there. I liked Xavier Kelly, who transferred from Clemson last year. Didn't play a whole lot this year, though. So I don't know whether he's really going to make any kind of splash at all. So I started with him, but then I, I moved on to, to the guy that, that, that kept him off the field, actually, Jonathan Marshall. Uh, six foot three, 317 pounds, uh, redshirt senior. Um, this is his first year as a starter for, for, for Arkansas, but um, he also earned uh, second team all SEC honours uh, on the season as well. So, um, interesting guy. Um, uh, PFF's um, 
uh, stat was that, that he'd led the SEC in pressures in under two seconds this season. So um, incredibly explosive guy gets, uh, I mean, uh, there's a snap against um, uh, against Mississippi State where he just drives, like, honestly, I, I don't know, like Lee, you mentioned it earlier, just get a bit excited about the, the individual plays, but just like, I don't know how he got there so quickly, but uh, Costello's just like, like eyes just glaze over. He just gets hit by uh, by an onrushing man. I love it. Big big time player, um, big time disruptor, but not big in terms of production. So uh, only one sack on the season actually, um, and that's kind of going to be used as a knock. And that's why I think he's a sleeper rather than uh, one of these top guys. But uh, like I say, explosive, incredibly strong guy. Um, he like bullies Lyman back into the quarterback slash running back, and that's where he picks up most of his production. He's in the run game, picking those guys up in inside. Um, his legs are incredibly strong, as I said at the start. Love that. Um, it combines that with a really good low drive, and that's what helps him be so explosive and get that get those guys back into the backfield. Just you know, gets under the blocks, knocks a lineman off balance. And, and really good hand placement in there as well. He's got a nice uh, spin move in there, um, sets him up uh, to, to get upfield there as well. But what um, what I was impressed with is he, he was using the spin move a lot against the run when the when the back broke to the outside. The spin move got him out got, got him out of his block and, and he was uh, and he was away and after his man. Um, he kind of again like, like Wilson, which I spoke about earlier. He, he got double teamed a lot this season. Um, I, I did feel like he sometimes falls into the kind of traps that are set for him uh, a bit too much, like he'd try and break inside of, of a guard and then the centre would just be waiting for him there. So that's another slight knock on him. Um, uh, but, but like I say, it, w- once you've been going up for those double teams for so long, you you get that technique honed and, and you do get through occasionally. He, he doesn't get through as, uh, as often as those guys that are going to be drafted higher up the board. And again, that's what's holding him down here. Um, I think I think some of the cons, mobility for me uh, can be quite lumbering when, when the ball breaks into the open field and he's chasing. Obviously, not a lot of these guys are, 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 super, are massively fantastic in that aspect, but but he particularly looks quite lumbering. Um, starting experience, um, I'll say this year's the first year as a starter and there was a quite a lot of rotation on the Arkansas uh, defensive line, so he wasn't in uh, every snap by any means Um and that was something I was noticing as I was watching their their defensive line. Um, so yeah, still still needs still very raw, still needs fine tuning there. And um, the the kind of games where he came up against the larger the guards in the league uh, or in college football, he was getting manhandled a bit. So that the Alabama game that they played. Um, we talked about Deontay Brown being fantastic there, and, and you know struggled a bit in that one. Still got four tackles, which was uh, which was one of the best tallies for him on the season. But um, I think for me, the the kind of play in the run game, he's not going to be a high round pit by any means. He might not even get drafted, but that kind of explosiveness to get in the backfield, play the run, uh, and stuff that, and stuff to play behind the line of scrimmage means that someone's going to get a, a piece that they can use for sure. Um, just might not, not might not be um, three down player. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of tools to work for. I'm not a player I'm familiar with myself, but it sounds like there's a lot of tools to work with, which is what gets you drafted on day three, isn't it? Rather than someone who just is a bit milky toast all you know across the board, really. Yeah, for sure. And I say, like, um, obviously, being a one-year starter here, um, it's not going to be a whole lot of tape. So, and one-year starter this year doesn't really mean much when you've only played a handful of games at Arkansas. So, yeah, uh, one to watch as a, as a potential uh, priority free agent, something like that. But um, yeah, be interested to see where he goes. Awesome. Yeah, good rundown. Rob, we'll come to you and I'll finish off. I I think we might have the same player. Who mean you? Yeah, because I've got a, a Polynesian looking dude who used to play rugby. Okay. 
Go on, Nicola. Well, so. mine's got mine's got a very Polynesian last name. Is yours? Yeah. <laughs> Kairos Tonga. Yeah, we do have Defen- the same guy. So it's happened. It's the first one. Yeah, defensive tackle from BYU. Um, I'll, I'll just run down a few things, then you can finish it off there, mate. Yeah, uh, 6'4", 322 pounds. He was a two-star recruit from Granger High School in Utah. Um, I'm going to be quite honest. I I got a mosh watching watching his story. <laughs> I genuinely, I sat in the living room this afternoon watching his story, and I had tears running down my face. No word of a lie. Um, his story is so reminiscent of the Blind Side. Um, and if everyone's watched the Blind Side, I'm sure you have the story of Michael Orr. Um, Kyrus Tonga was pretty much homeless in at high school. His his mum was in a bad his, his maternal mother was in a bad way. Um, and his, his father wasn't about and basically he got adopted, um, at high school. Um, he was sort of running into trouble, but I had a good, had a best mate at high school and his family adopted him. Um, and yeah, he just got kind of flourished from there really. Um, he played tight end and fullback at high school. Um, he met, uh, coach Sataki at 15 years old, who offered him a scholarship at Utah at the time when he was there. Um, Coach Sataki then went to Oregon State for a year and then came back as the head coach at BYU as Kairos Tonga was coming out of uh, high school. Um, so Tonga changed his mind. Um, he, the family that he got adopted by was a religious family, part of the Mormons in at, at BYU. Um, and yeah, basically he, he kind of got his in, into the religious side of things as well and went to BYU Um and yeah, like I said, his story genuinely did make me tear up. So get yourself on YouTube if you're having a <laughs> having a moment and, and watch that. Um, Lee, you're, you're probably better to take take us through the pros and cons for him, really. No, excellent. Yeah, because I, I didn't delve too much into the background, actually. But yeah, excellent. You've kind of dovetailed really nicely with me there if you've done that side of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for a, for a two-star recruit, I was actually really impressed. Um, obviously, a massive, massive guy, uh, six foot four, two, no, sorry, 322 pounds. Like I say, goes to BYU, and we've had quite a lot of BYU sleepers, haven't we, throughout our whole series? Yeah, uh, it's been a bit of a, a trend of ours. Um, but yeah, I watched a couple of games of his. Um, gets up the snap really quickly, especially for his size, and um, has immense, immense power. Um, there was one snap, especially against USC, that really made me slow it. Take take a fucking <laughs> uh, take a really real uh, you know edge of my seat kind of thing where you just think, but the other he's like so big, and uh, yeah, he's just driven the centre back. Uh, just right into Slovis's lap. And I think he got a couple of sacks in that game, if I remember rightly. There was one where Keaton Slovis got up, genuinely looked like a cartoon character with his eyes crossed. <laughs> he just looked like he got tanked on the floor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, this is what Andy was talking about with the, right at the top of the show. Like these guys who, who just are able to have this immense power just to drive back these huge, huge uh, interior offensive linemen. Um, and this is what he's got. And... You know he's he's a he is a bit of a pass rusher for his size. I don't think he's as good against the run. I'd expect him to be a bit better against the run, to be honest with you. But production-wise, he's really really consistent. Four four and a half sacks um, for the whole well all three of his years uh, before this one. Three and a half in less games this year, um, and a bunch of tackles for loss as well, um, and a couple of forced fumbles for, for good measure. But one really good trait that he's got, uh, there's a, a lot of uh, really good defensive linemen in the NFL have got now, is uh, getting your hands up in the passing lanes. He blocks passes all the time. Um, you know, he's a real big unit in there and uh, shows his intelligence. You know, I was talking about Tefele earlier. 
and um, you know, it just shows that kind of awareness of the of the, the the play around you and what might be happening. Keep your eyes on the backfield, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but yes, very very you know underrated player, another good BYU guy. Moving into into his uh, weaknesses, purely a nose tackle. Don't think he's got like the the mobility to play anywhere wider than just straight up against the center. He'll only play in rundowns, although he does have that pass rush ability. So if you've got like a, a down and distance that suits him to come in and get some push, you know, you would do. I think he's over reliant on power. Why wouldn't you be when you're that size? But uh, zero hand fighting skills, which is what Soy just kind of like pushes people back. Doesn't really do a great deal otherwise with his hands. Um, can get double teamed quite easily. If someone engages him from the front and then a the guard comes around from the side, he can get washed down the line really, really easily. But, you know, he's a massive guy and, uh, you know, he, he can do enough with that size. So I think, yeah, a bit of refinement with the hands and he can, he can be something. But, yeah, as Rob said, a really nice story. And uh, he's got something about him, you know, as we've mentioned here for all of our sleepers. Go ahead, Liam. Yeah, you uh, you touched on it that um, BYU seems to be the, the school of sleepers for us because I've, uh, I've had a couple of of them and uh he was a guy that i've got notes on here as well as possible sleeper for this one so we nearly had three of us talking about <laughs> talking about the same guy um love finding really good like guys that project as pure nose tackles and that's one of the reasons why uh, i really liked uh yeah like watching him but um yeah you guys summed him up really nicely anything anything different or anything that you disagree with at all no 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 you guys have got more detail on him but um <laughs> Yeah, just uh, like I say, I really like finding the guys that are like obvious nose tackle projections, and yeah, he he looks so good and and powerful in in spots in on film that yeah, it's really really good watch. Yeah, really like I say, really took this centre for a ride for for USC a couple of years ago, and uh, it was a, <laughs> like I say, really got me off my seat almost. Um, so yeah, that that brings us to the end of our episode here with the defensive tackles. Um, you know, some nice sleepers in there, a lot of good stories. And uh, some, well, at least three really good players at the top of the draft that you might be able to get in the second round. Uh, I'm probably being a bit unfair there to Jace Feller. He probably will go in the second round, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm not not a fan. <laughs> a bit disappointed, as I mentioned before. So um, last last thing to do, lads, just what we're we doing next. What's our what's our offensive position next week? Oh, we got wide receivers and wide receivers tackles and quarterbacks, haven't we? What what do we want? Obviously, saving quarterbacks for last, as I got told off last week. <laughs> <laughs> three three sexy positions. I reckon this, we go um, tackle. I reckon we go tackle. Yeah, let's keep it. Keep it in the trenches. Keep it in the trenches. Okay, cool. So yeah, join us next week then to talk about some offensive tackles, as we mentioned earlier, and as we mentioned on the, the uh, mock draft podcast, um, the regular podcast earlier on in the week. Uh, there's plenty of mock draft and uh, other articles going up from from all of us over the next uh, couple of days and also in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, so yeah, glad you enjoyed this one and uh, join us next week for uh, another edition of this scouting podcast where we'll be talking about tackles. So yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at Full 10 Yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.